Y'all ready to praise the name of your Savior this morning? Come on, stand to your feet. We had a long week, but this morning, this day, we're going to celebrate. We're going to say that Jesus is king. Hey, we're going to clap our hands. We're going to move our feet. Come on, say
Our hearts will 
That testimony will be tried and tested on you. But can you still say, Great?
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, one of the Hebrew names for God is El Ilyon. It simply means Most High God. That means there's no one above him, no one before him, none beside him, none like him. So when we sing and declare, great are you, Lord, we are appealing to El Elyon, the Most High God. Yesterday, I was at Levi's basketball game. He was in the, playing in a tournament, and he had three games. Uh, right in the middle of the second game, I get a call from one of our members. And the reason they called was because someone we've been standing in the gap for and interceding for had been rushed to the hospital. In fact, she barely had any vital signs. When they got her to the ER and rushed her immediately to ICU, the attending doctor said, it's time to call the family. I've pastored long enough to know that when the doctor says, call the family, they're really preparing the family to say their last words and prepare the family for their loved one's transition. Got to the hospital, anointed her with oil, prayed the prayer of faith. Listen to me. We serve a miracle-working God. A miracle-working God. There's so much more I want to say about what God did and is doing, but the reason I came up here is, listen, when we sing those songs, Great Are You, Lord, it's an opportunity for us to trust God in our time of need. When man says it's impossible, it's time for us to lean into and trust a God who is able to do the impossible on our behalf. In fact, as I'm standing here and thinking about Brenda Segovia, who we prayed for yesterday, I'm, think, I'm seeing Perry Daniel, who just a few months ago was rushed to the hospital with only five, listen to me, 5% heart capacity. And he's standing in our service this morning with hands lifted in worship. So the team is going to lead us in that chorus again. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. And if you're here this morning and you need God to intervene on your behalf, you've exhausted every human option. You've done everything you know to do and you've still come up short. We want to cry out and appeal to a God who is the most high God. None above him, none like him, none before him, none beside him. He is still El Elyon. So if you would give us a few more minutes, we want to take a moment to minister to those who need divine intervention this morning. And we believe, we believe that our God is still able to do exceedingly, abundantly, listen to me, above anything we could ever ask or imagine. If that's you, without hesitation or reservation, there is absolutely no condemnation in this place. We ask you to come to the altar. My wife and I want to pray for you as the team leads us in worship. Thank you, Lord.
who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, you're a good, good boy, it's who you are, it's who you
Thank you, Lord. So Jesus said, my house will be called the house of prayer. And here at Converge, there are moments, there are times when we will uh, deviate from our plans to minister to those who are in the body. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. And you may be here and you didn't come to the altar and that's fine. God can meet you right where you are. I just want you to know that one of the things Jesus said when he came in Luke chapter 4, verse number 18 is, he came to bind the brokenhearted. If you're here this morning, and this is not an invitation to come to the altar, but I think the Lord wants to remind us that in our brokenness, he's there. In our pain, he's there. And he's there to heal. He's there to restore. And so, Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. God, you don't only know our future. God, you even know our history. And God, sometimes we get stuck in that place because of the wounds. Things people have done, things people have said. Father, even mistakes we've made where we've been overtaken and overcome with guilt that says, I owe you. I never should have done that. I never should have said that. So, Lord, this morning, for the one wrestling with guilt, Lord, would you heal? 
Father, for the one uh, uh, overtaken with anger. Anger always says, you owe me. You never should have done that. You never should have said that. They never should have done that. They never should have. Father, if there's someone here this morning, Lord, would you bind the broken heart that has been overtaken with anger. Father, if it's disappointment because of unmet expectations, Lord, would you heal us today? Would you heal us today? Would you heal us today? Would you be the balm in Gilead? Heal us, God, spirit, soul, and body. God, would you give us the willingness this morning to take off the mask that makes it look like everything is okay when it's not? Would you help us today, Father? So that we can experience the healing that comes only from your hand. We thank you for that, Father, now. Heal us, O oh Lord. And we will be healed. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. And amen. Amen. Is Andrea here? Andrea, why don't you come? It's one of those things that's so difficult to transition from when, when God is at work. And, and we trust that God will continue to minister uh, to you uh, through the duration of the service. We'll be sensitive to what the Lord desires to do. Amen. And we trust that. Uh, you'll receive the ministry this morning that you need, even when it's unscripted and when, when we embrace those spontaneous moments with God. Andrea, why don't you come? Good morning. It's working. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Amen. It is a good day. And so I have been tasked after that sweet, sweet spirit to come up and to greet you guys and welcome you to Converge Live, our in-person worship experience. If this is your first time here with us, you came on a really good day. <laughs> and we don't take it lightly that you chose to spend a, a portion of your day with us. So if it's your first time here to celebrate it, we ask that you guys would stop by the Welcome Center, connect with our pastors at the end of the worship experience. We just want to be able to greet you, to thank you, to get some information from you, um, not to be invasive, but so that we can stay connected connected with you. So again, we also have a small gift for you. It's just a token of appreciation and our way of saying, thank, saying thank you so much for choosing to spend a portion of your day with us. We do have a lot that is going on, so I'm going to ask you guys to bear with me and you might want to take out your phones because I want you guys to make note of everything that God is doing here at Converge. The best way for you guys to stay in the loop is to connect with us on our social media platforms. That's where you're going to find the most up-to-date information the most current things, the happenings of everything that God is doing with us, through us, and in us right here. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at We Are Converge, and you can find us on TikTok at Converge Church. So be sure to like and follow those pages and stay in the loop. So now I'm going to let you guys know some of what we have going on, and I'm going to try to go from memory. The first thing is that Converge Students is meeting. We are back, and they are meeting every second and fourth Sunday. So they are not meeting today, but I'm telling you guys in preparation for next week. If you have a mid middle school student or a high school student from 7th to 12th grade, we want you guys to have them join our student leadership team over in the rail every second and fourth Sunday at 10 a.m. We 
promise you your students will not be disappointed. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I want to make you guys aware of is that today, I like call and response, so say it with me, today, today is the deadline for the Christmas bike giveaway. Um, on behalf of Chuck and Sabrina Smith, who are helping us with this, if you have a small child who has a, a Christmas uh, or a bike on his Christmas wish list, we want to be able to bless you with a bike. Or if you have a older child who's outgrown the bike that they have, so we've got a QR code that's going to be on the screen. We ask you to scan that QR code, but today at 5 p.m. is the deadline to fill out that form. So if you scan that code, it'll take you to the form. You fill it out, we'll get it into the proper hands. There is a limit of two bikes per family, amen? All right, thank you. So the next thing up is our winter clothing drive, and that kicks off again today. So say today. Today, yes. So every Sunday, on Sundays only, beginning today through Sunday, December 18th, it is our winter clothing drive benefiting our brothers and sisters right here in the local McKinney area who are unfortunately experiencing homelessness. And we are taking all kinds of clothing, whatever you have, whatever you would like that's new or gently used to donate, we will appreciate it. We do have some receptacles out in the lobby. You can bring them and drop them off on Sunday mornings before or immediately following the worship experience. Again, that starts today through Sunday, November 18th. So the next thing that we wanted to share with you is next Sunday, November 27th is our Christmas tree lighting ceremony. This is our first ever right here at Converge, and we are very excited to kick off the holidays here with a Christmas tree lighting ceremony. It'll be next Sunday, November 27th, from 5 to 7 p.m. We need a little help, though, so put on your Christmas hats and your elf hats and come out and help us in preparation for our Christmas lighting, Christmas tree lighting ceremony. We are going to be decorating the church. And so if you have a knack for that, or you want to come out and help us, we're going to have some Christmas work days next Friday, the 25th from 6 to 8 p.m. And then Saturday, the 26th from 8 to noon in two shifts. So you can take the 8 to 10 shift, or you can take the 12 to noon shift. We have another QR code on the screen. If you scan that, it will take you to our Sign Up Genius to sign up to work some of those shifts and help us prepare for our Christmas tree lighting next Sunday. And then last but not least that we want to make you aware of, we've got a great outreach opportunity in partnership with, um, above all things, it's going to be our Christmas toy giveaway. And that is going to be on Saturday, December 17th. We will be sharing more specifics in terms of the timing and in terms of maybe some possible packing and sorting prep that we'll do beforehand. So mark your calendars for Saturday, December 17th in partnership with Above All Things, our Christmas toy giveaway. We would love to see you guys come out for that. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much, Chuck. I appreciate your enthusiasm. <laughs> so we are now moving into the blessed life segment of our worship experience. And I am not Pastor Jesse, but I'm going to try to do him proud. So there are multiple ways that you guys can uh, donate and that you can give and that you can partner with us financially. The first one is here in person. We do have ushers and greeters in the aisles with envelopes. If you would like one, please raise your hand. We'll get those to you. We ask that you would fill it out in its entirety. And again, to borrow from Pastor Jesse, legibly, so that we can properly record all of your giving um, and be able to hold on to that information for you. We have many multiple ways that you can give. You can give via text by texting Converge Give along with the dollar amount to 77977. You can text via our online safely and securely by visiting us 
at weareconverged.com forward slash give. All of the ways that you can give are on the screen. We love you guys and we appreciate that you guys live out one of the values that we have here at Converge, which is generosity. You have always been faithful, Converge Nation and Converge family, and we appreciate that. So let us have a quick word of prayer. Oh, Father, our good, good Father in heaven, we love you and we thank you. Thank you often doesn't seem enough, Father, but it is what we have. We thank you because you are good, you are gracious, you are faithful, you are kind, God, and you continue to bless us and bless us and bless us. We pray blessings upon this offering, Father God. We thank you for every hand and heart that has given. We thank you for every hand and heart that desires to give, Father God. We know that you are able and willing to make it possible for us to do what is in accordance with your word. We appreciate you. We pray blessings upon each family and home represented. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and that we thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys again for your attention. Enjoy the rest of the worship experience. on now? Ah, there it is. All right. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? You guys remember that commercial from years ago? Um, we're going to dive into the word together, and it's one of the things we're passionate here, uh, passionate about here at Converge Church. We're sticklers for the word, right? Uh, so we believe that it's a priority here at Converge to be gospel-shaped. That means the word of God informs what we believe and also how we live. Not just orthodoxy, our belief, but orthopraxy, our practice. And so we're going to dive into the word together. Uh, today is somewhat bittersweet, and I guess this is sort of um, uh, my usual response when I come to the end of a sermon series, right? Uh, 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 just that sense, that feeling that good things sometimes, well, always have to come to an end, right? It can't be open-ended. It can't be indefinite. But I trust what we've shared over the last several weeks has ministered to you. We've gotten incredible feedback, uh, not just from those who've worshipped with us in person, but also those of you who have joined us online. And if you're joining us online, let's do this, Converge Nation. Those of you who are in person, let's give a good, big hand clap. Welcome to Converge Nation. Joining us online from around the great city of McKinney, around the state of Texas, and around the world. Um, we trust that this message has been a, our series of messages uh, has been a blessing to you, and uh, we pray that today will be no different. Uh, for our series finale, I've chosen to revisit a sermon that I did several years ago, and it was um, in a different sermon series, but I think it still has significance today. Uh, the psalmist said it this way, the flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of God abides forever. Uh, and so even though this is a sermon that we're going to revisit this morning, I trust that those of you who are new new to uh, Converge Church, uh, will receive uh, exactly what you need uh, from the Lord this morning. There's such a sweet presence of the Holy Ghost in this place this morning. And so, Father, we yield to you. Father, speak to us as only you can. And Father, in everything I say, I pray that your people will 
experience your great love, your amazing grace, uh, the depth of your love, and your mercies that are new every morning. Even this moment, would you speak to us as only you can. And I pray that we will hear not just the voice of the Father, but we would hear the heart of the Father. It's calling us home to be everything that you created us to be. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. All right, if, if I were to choose a, a, a title for today's sermon, it would simply be, Don't Be a Bonsai. My love affair with bonsai started in the mid-80s, halfway across the world, in a tiny West African nation of Liberia, called Liberia. Uh, that's my home of origin. I'm originally from Liberia. Grew up in a, the second largest city at the time called Buchanan. And even in tiny Liberia, blockbuster movies would make their way on video uh, to our homes. One of those movies, one of those movies... Uh, was the Karate Kid. Come on, somebody. Any, any Karate Kid fans in the house? Yeah, yeah, one or two, one or two. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and some of you now, you, 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 you watch uh, sort of this reiteration or this new iteration of the Karate Kid, Cobra Kai. Any Cobra Kai fans in the house? Cobra Kai, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're not ashamed to say it either. Come on, somebody. We're reliving the 80s. Come on. And, uh, and so I watched the first, I think, is it four seasons? Is it the, the there's five now. I haven't watched the fifth season, season yet. But my love affair with Banzai started in the mid-'80s uh, with Mr. Miyagi. And for those of you who remember, Mr. Miyagi had this immaculate, impeccable oasis in his backyard. Uh, because Mr. Miyagi was from Japan. And, and so you'd go out in, in the movies, and he'd go out with Daniel-san, and he would teach him karate and, and wax on and how to wax off and, 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 and was it wipe up and wipe down, whatever that was. I forget. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and say again. Paint the fence. Thank you. But, uh, he paint the fence. And it made absolutely no sense, but he was teaching him uh, techniques of karate. Uh, sometimes God is like that. Life must be lived going forward, but it can only be understood looking back. And so Mr. Miyagi uh, was, had a passion for horticulture, immaculate backyard, and he would give great care and attention to his bonsai. So I brought this bonsai tree uh, today. Uh, however, comma, as Pastor Wendy, Wendy would say, um, um, uh, bonsais are cute but they're a lot of work. Uh, and there's a reason today we're going to drill down and understand why you and I don't want to be bonsai. As cute and cuddly as they may seem, you and I don't want to be bonsai. Are you with me? So lo let's look at the text together. And we'll connect the dots as we look to the text together. Actually, uh, the scripture should be on the screen. Our anchor text for today is lifted from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9 from the Passion Translation. And then we'll close out the series with in Luke chapter 19, verses 30 through 31. Do we have the Passion Translation ready to go? Do we? 
Okay, I'll read it from the New King James, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, because that's what, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Whew, here we go. In fact, I'll start reading maybe from verse 2. First, 2 Peter chapter 1, I'll begin reading at verse number 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power, this is good news, Converge, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That means God has given us everything we need to win in life. He's giving us everything that we need that pertains both to life and to godliness. So we have what we need to win in life. It says, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which he, we have been given these exceeding great, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is where I want to land in verse 5. Because in beginning in verse 5, he gives us this blueprint for what it looks like to live a fruitful and productive life. And that's where we started this series, right? We said we want to be planted so that God can move us from potential to productivity. We said potential speaks to what is possible. Productivity speaks to what is actual. But between potential, what is possible, and productivity, what is actual, where your life begins to bear fruit and your light begins to shine, there are patterns that can sabotage our productivity. God doesn't only want us to have potential, he wants us to be productive. And in order to be productive, we have to deal with, we have to confront the patterns that often hinder us from experiencing the fullness of what God has planned and purposed for our lives. And this is what we said about patterns. Patterns speak to what is predictable. Potential, what is possible. Productivity, what is actual. But in between, potential and productivity is or are our patterns which are predictable. So someone can have tremendous potential, but their patterns, when examined and observed, will let you know whether that potential will ever be fulfilled. You can have someone who is an extremely gifted athlete, but has no discipline, has no work ethic, and he never moves from the tremendous potential that he had to a life of productivity because of his patterns. So I tell people all the time in premarital counseling, uh, because that's what we do, we look at the person's potential, and I tell them, listen, give this thing enough time so that you can begin to observe their patterns. Because if you can observe, observe their patterns now, it will expose and reveal what is predictable about them down the road. Are y'all tracking with me? So this is what the Lord says through Peter, the apostle, about how we can begin to live a productive life. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 5. Peter writes, but also for this reason, reason, giving all diligence, he's about to do some math. He's about to do some addition. And in these equations, 
He's giving us the formula for a fruitful life. Notice what he says. He said, add to your faith virtue. Now, the way a lot of preachers preach this thing, we make it sound as if, it, as if faith is all that we need. Now, faith is a good foundation because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So faith is foundational. You and I have to believe that God will honor what he said. But he said if we're going to live a fruitful life, we can't only live and walk by faith. That's ground zero. That is foundational. That's the cornerstone. But he said now you've got to build on that foundation and you've got to add some virtue to your faith. Because faith sometimes, in fact, I could use the word faith and charisma interchangeably. Your charisma can take you places your character can't keep you. And what Peter is saying is if you're going to live a productive, fruitful life and you're going to have longevity, it's not enough just to be a man of faith and power that can move mountains with his prayers. You better have some character that can sustain you in the places where your charisma takes you. And that's why so many haven't lasted. They've had incredible platforms, but they didn't have the corresponding character to sustain them. Somebody say patterns. Tremendous potential. Bad habits in their patterns. So Peter says if you're going to live a fruitful life, notice what he says, you should give all diligence to this. Make it a priority, not just to be a person of faith, but add some virtue to your faith. Are y'all with me? Next thing he says is if you're going to be fruitful, there's faith plus virtue here it is, plus knowledge. Plus knowledge. And that's why he said in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he said, my people, this is God speaking now. He ain't talking about people who have no relationship or covenant with him. He says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. He's saying there are things that belong to my sons and daughters that they miss out on simply because they don't know. And the truth is, what you don't know, baby girl, is hurting you. That's what Hosea 4, 6 says. He says, my people perish because of what they don't know, because what they don't know is hurting them. Let me tell you why it's hurting you when you don't know these things. You cannot live beyond what you've been exposed to. That is a simple thought, but it is extremely profound. You cannot live, you cannot dream, you cannot expect beyond what you've been exposed to. You know why? You don't know it exists. And so he says it's not enough to have faith. Get some virtue, character. And it's not just enough to have character, have some knowledge. Knowledge of the will of God, God's plan, God's purpose for your life. Because who you are is not for you to decide, it's for you to discover. Because it's already, it's already been decided. It's God appointed, not self-assumed. Did y'all hear what I just said? Some of the knowledge we need to acquire is the knowledge of God's will for my life. It's not for me to decide. It's for me to discover 
because God already decided it. That's why he said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, verse 5, even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I ordained you. And some of the knowledge we need to have in order to live a fruitful life is connected to the knowledge of God's plan and purpose for my life. God, who did you create me to be? Ephesians chapter 3 and uh, uh, verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 10 says it this way. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance. Your life was not an afterthought. God had a plan in advance that you and I should walk in. God's workmanship. That word in the Greek is poema. You are God's poem. One, one word picture that we see for that word poema is, is God's tapestry that you were carefully thought out. Every thread that was woven, none of it by accident. Very intentional and deliberate by the creator. It is God appointed, not self-assumed. The problem with this lack of knowledge, in the words of Dr. Miles Monroe, it's simply this, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Oh, let me say that one more time. Where purpose is not known, if you don't know the purpose for which a thing was created, the eventual and ultimate result is abuse. And how many of us abuse our time, our talent, and our treasure because we don't know the purpose for which God created us and endowed us? with those talents and those opportunities, and we end up abusing them. Now, listen, abuse is a compound word. It comes from two words, abnormal and use. When you don't recognize the purpose for anything, you are bound to abnormally use it. If you don't recognize that the purpose of being a husband is to love your wife sacrificially, selflessly, unconditionally like Christ loved the church, you're bound to abuse what God has called you to do as a husband. And you will make being a husband about lordship instead of leadership. It's amazing how when Pastor Wendy and I sit across from couples, they know exactly how to quote the verse that applies to their spouse. Not the verse that applies to them. Well, the Bible said, baby, in Ephesians chapter 5, that you're supposed to submit to me. Well, what about the part that applies to you, though? That says you ought to love her as Christ loved the church. That's why, that's, why, that's why I always tell, uh, 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 I tell her, uh, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first? Because that word submission, which is a dirty word in the church, simply means respect. So what comes first? Well, if you respect me, I won't love you. Well, well hold up now. Uh, did Jesus wait for us to respect him in order for us in order for him to love us did he wait for us to get our lives together before he died on the cross no 
In fact, he died on the cross for us when we were at our worst. And if you're a husband in this room and you don't understand that your purpose is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. If you don't understand the purpose of being a husband, you are bound to abuse your role as a husband. Abnormally use it. Oh, I got examples for days. And that's why Peter said, add to your faith. Yeah, you can pray. You can move mountains. But do you have virtue, character? Hmm? Add to your virtue knowledge. Abraham Lincoln famously said, I will study, I will prepare, my time will come. How many of us really study and prepare for the thing we're dreaming about? I have a friend in law enforcement who said in law enforcement they teach him, that you don't rise to the occasion, you default to your last level of training and preparation. So when David saw Goliath, what he defaulted to was what God did through him with the lion and the bear. Are you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't just some random courage that he summoned one day. No, this is what he said. The same God. That delivered the lion and the bear into my hand. My last level of training, preparation, and proficiency is going to allow me to cut off this devil's head. Knowledge. I forget what the, the numbers are. But I know it's over 90% of people who will never open a book after high school or college to read. Just to learn, I forget, it's over 90%. That if it's not required for their education to pass a class, they ain't never going to crack open the book. And there's a whole world of information that we miss out on. And because we miss out on that, you can't even dream beyond what you've been exposed to. So he said, add to virtue knowledge. Are y'all with me? Then, he said, listen, if you're going to be fruitful and productive... There's faith, there's virtue, there's knowledge. Oh, come on, somebody. Then he said there's self-control. Because you can have the first three. Is it three or four? First three or four. But if you ain't got no self-control. In fact, that's what the scripture says it. It says a man with no self-control is like a city without walls susceptible to attack. You know what that means? If you do not have self-control, you are defenseless. And let me tell you what you're defenseless against. You will be defenseless against the criticism of men. Ooh, you're not listening to me this morning. Hmm? And y'all know, y'all hear me say it here all the time. Uh, uh, if you live for the approval of men, you will die by their criticism. That's all story. Saul lost his kingdom and his mind over a song that the women were singing. Saul, you killed a thousand men. That teenager David, he killed 10,000. 
and he lost his mind. You know why? Because there's a difference between being the people's choice and God's anointed. Because who you allow to crown you, you will owe your allegiance to. So because Saul was the people's choice, God didn't pick him, the people picked Saul. Because he was the people's choice, people's choice, his life rose and fell on the opinions of men. But because David was God's anointed, he didn't care what people had to say about him. Because his approval and affirmation came from the Father alone. Oh, I could say so much about self-control. So much I could say about self-control. Mm. Self-control is like the guardrails that, that protect you, keep you from drifting and deviating. And even when you drift a little bit, man, it bring you back on course. And what Peter is saying is that you, if you and I are going to live fruitful, productive lives, these are the patterns we have to examine into my life. Have I added virtue to my faith? Have I added knowledge to my virtue? Have I added self-control to my knowledge? And then he says, oh, here it is, persevering. For those of us who want it our way and want it right now. For those of us who are microwave Christians, who want immediate results. Listen, I don't know about you, but I, I would take a meal, especially at Thanksgiving, that's been slow cooking in that crock pot over something you just pulled out of the fridge and threw in the microwave. One of them allowed you to eat in three minutes. The other one took several hours. Entirely different results. But most of us choose instant gratification over perseverance. And, and, and what Peter is saying is, listen, <laughs> can I just stop for a second? And just say what I love about this text is when I'm reading it, it's like you got to consider the source. Because the guy who's teaching this is the same guy that was the first to speak, is the same guy who was cutting off ears, is the same guy who had no self-control, who had no character, lied that he knew Jesus, denied him three times, and the third time he denied him was cussing. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? This is the guy who's writing this stuff. And it's evidence that he has been so transformed by the power of God and the spirit of God. And he says, you know what? There's two kind of ways you can learn. You can learn from other people's mistakes or from your own failures. You can learn by observation or by personal experience. May I submit to you? Learning by observation is much less painful than learning by experience. So Peter is saying, I was once that guy who had faith but no virtue. I was once that guy who had faith and virtue but no knowledge, no self-control, no perseverance. It says after perseverance, godliness. Oh, boy. 
and then add to godliness. What's the last thing? Add to godliness what? Uh, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness. Charity or love. Love. And then he goes on in verse 8 to say, For if these things are yours and abound. He's talking about the patterns that lead to a fruitful life. He's talking about the math, the arithmetic of a fruitful life. He says, if these things are yours and if they abound, notice what he says, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What has Peter just given us? He's given us the pattern. He's given us the blueprint for a fruitful life. Are y'all with me? He said, well, Pastor Ray, what does that have to do with abundance? Hmm. Um, let me connect the dots for you. Uh, bonsai is a Japanese art form. And the word bonsai literally means tray planting or to plant in a tray. Now, like I said, this is a pretty cute looking plant. This is actually a bonsai plant, not a bonsai tree. But when you consider what the bonsai is, it's one of those things that makes you go, hmm. Because the bonsai is a tree or a plant that over time has been manipulated to the point where it is only a miniature replica of the real thing. This cute little plant. Listen to what I just said is a miniature replica of the real thing. It has been manipulated through a pruning process that prunes both the crown and the root so that the person doing the manipulating of the plant can control and limit its size. I hope you all listen to what I'm saying. That there is someone outside of that bonsai tree that has determined how fruitful it will be. And the powerful thing about this bonsai is that the manipulation of this plant, of this tree, starts early. I wonder how many of us don't realize that life has done so many things, has pulled so many strings, has pruned us in such ways that all that is left is a diminished, miniature replica of what it ought to be. 
Can I say this to you so you can hear me loud and clear? The reason this morning was so powerful during our time of ministry is because, I want you to hear this, unresolved pain has a way of making bonsais of us all. There are things outside of you that have manipulated you into a diminished version of what you should be. Cute, but underdeveloped. Pastor Wendy and I may have told the story before. I were looking for a home several years ago when we lived in Plano, and there were several homes that we went to look, and we walked into this one home, man, and walked out in the backyard, and this guy had a bonsai pond. I'm sorry, koi, not bonsai pond. You're like, huh? Koi pond. What I found out about koi is they can grow up to 36 inches, three feet. But it det it's determined by the size of the pond that they're in. So you put a koi in a small pond, small koi. You put a koi in a big pond, a three-foot koi. And I wonder how much of what we see in our lives and experience in our lives is a direct result of things that have manipulated what we could be and what we should be. I wonder, I wonder how many of us have become comfortable with our bonsai life because of all the attraction and the novelty and, oh, man, that thing's real cute. It's unique. It's rare. I love bonsais. But when you consider the fact that the entire practice of bonsai is to take something, diminish it, and here's what they say, so that it mimics what it would look like in nature. I'll just let it look enough like what it's supposed to look like when it's only a shadow of what it should be. So the question is, how do I know I'm a bonsai? Well, bonsai, um, they exist, here it is, and they thrive in controlled environments. Constant pruning. And not only that, this is something that was intended for soil that is controlled in a pot. I know I'm a bonsai when I have to control my environment. Uh, here's the second thing about a bonsai that I know that I could be exhibiting the symptoms of a bonsai life is very shallow roots. My unwillingness to go deeper than the surface because I'm afraid of what people might see. Let me, let me talk about controlled environments. Uh, oh man, if I, if I go down that road, we'll be here all day. 
We'll save that for. <laughs> I was hoping that y'all wouldn't say that. Y'all, y'all heard. Take your time, Pastor. No, I'm gonna go fast. Let me tell you why this message is important. It's important for this reason. Uh, before the truth can set you free, you have to identify the lie that's been holding you captive. I'm helping somebody this morning. Before the truth can set you free, you have to identify the lie that's been holding you captive. Somebody say the Truman Show. Anybody ever see the Truman Show? What he thought was reality. His whole life was manipulated. And Truman didn't become free until he recognized the lie that had become his life. May I submit to you that this morning there are things that have been impacting you and have created this bonsai. And you may think that this is all that there is. But there's so much more that this tree could have been and should have been. So the first manipulation, and sometimes it's manipulation of our own making. We try to, I was going to ask for a show of hands, but that would not be good. But don't lift your hand. But if there are any control freaks in the building, you could be a bonsai. Where you create situations and circumstances where your goal is to determine every outcome. And it has to happen on your terms. Controlled environments. Bonsai thrive in controlled environments. This pot, not in the wild, controlled environments. And how many of you realize that there is a difference between what is developed in controlled environments and what is created in the wild. What is created in the wild has infinitely greater value than what we create in our controlled environments. And the ladies, I'm sure, would appreciate a diamond over a cubic zirconia. <laughs> I don't care how big that cubic zirconia is. Are you with me? There are pearls that are cultured pearls and there are pearls that are wild pearls. The pearls that are created in the wild are of infinitely greater value than pearls that are cultured. But most of us want to live our cultured, controlled lives. And we become bonsais in the process. Uh, a second thing about this uh, controlled environment, and y'all see me, because this bonsai is shallow. The roots have no depth. And because it's a living thing, and because it is created to look for water, the roots grow down, but because they can't go through the pot, they begin to grow in. 
circle until they eventually rot. And they I submit to you that if you feel like your life is going in circles, it could be because you're in a controlled environment and in that controlled environment, you have very little depth and because you have very little depth, you're looking for something that you can't find and you keep going in circles. Because your roots were meant to go down deep. Shallow roots, no depth. Listen to me, don't be a bonsai. Resist the urge to control everything, every circumstance, every person you come in contact with. Y'all ready for this one? This is the way some of us control our situations and our circumstances. We latch on to needy people. And the reason we latch on to needy people, Rob, is because needy people fulfill our need to be needed. And because I have a need to be needed, I surround myself with needy people. And what we end up with is one, two, three, four, five. An infinite number of codependent relationships. But you're in control, though, because they need you. But they don't recognize how much you need them because they fulfill a need in themselves to be needed. You could be a bonsai. Uh, So shallow roots, right? No depth. And the problem with going in circles, are y'all with me? (laughs) The problem with going in circles, y'all, is that because the roots of the bonsai can't find water, you have to constantly do this. It's not getting water from the soil. You got to constantly do this. The third sign that you could be a bonsai is not just the desire to control and manipulate situations and circumstances and people. It's not only the fact that your roots could be shallow and you keep going in circles. The third is that you are high maintenance. Everything revolves around you. So if this bonsai is going to live, two things got to happen. I love this. You got to water this bonsai. Y'all ready for the flip side? But you can't water it too much. So now all of a sudden I got to regulate how much water I'm giving this bonsai. In fact, all this spraying I've been doing might might kill this bonsai. High maintenance. But here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Uh... Because of the root system being circular, growing that way, this bonsai needs to be repotted regularly. Listen to me. I'm talking to the people in the room this morning who always run it. You know what you're running from? You don't know what you're running to. 
So every so often, you got to pick up your roots that have been growing in circles. You ain't making no progress in L.A. <laughs> Let me move to Nevada. I ain't making no progress in Nevada. I'm going to move to Arizona. The problem with that is wherever you go, there you are. When you get there, you're going to show up. <laughs> and you wonder why you keep running into yourself. No matter where you go. Could be a bonsai. I'm talking, to pe- talking about people who are afraid to put their roots down. Because every time somebody gets close to you, you got to control the environment. And when you can't control the environment, I got to repot, I got to replant. So here it is. This is where I close. (coughs) Uh, (laughs) I made up a word. Here it is. How to unbonsai your life. You ready for this? This is where I'm going to close. comes from an unusual place because it has very little to do with with planting and, and all that stuff because in this series we talked about we talked about the bonsai today last couple of weeks we talked about the fig tree first couple of weeks we talked about the great northwestern redwoods right that they are unique because I think the general Sherman I think it is which is the the oldest living sequoia tree I think it's just under 300 feet tall. But the interesting thing about these redwoods, the sequoias, is they can grow so tall, but their roots only go down 10 to 12 feet. Physics doesn't make any sense. If you're going to go 300 feet in the air, you better go way, way down. But there's a secret to why the redwoods grow that way, and that's their root system. Because even though their roots don't grow deep, they grow wide. And they reach out to the other sequoia trees around them and their roots interlock. So what they're lacking in their ability to do themselves, they reach out to the trees around them to help them do. Probably you ought to be a sequoia, not a bonsai. To say, you know what, my roots growing in circles, maybe my roots need to reach out like the redwoods and the sequoias. That's why the body of Christ matters. That's why the church matters. That's why people who say, I don't need to go to church, I know God for myself, don't realize that they are in controlled environments. And they have become bonsai. That have resorted to shallow roots and require a lot of maintenance. Okay, I said I was going to close here. Uh, is this helping anybody so far? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm about to close right here. And, and so unusual place that we're going to close. Uh, it actually, this is a good Palm Sunday message. But I'm going to save it for another church since I'm giving it to y'all now. 
So Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem, what we often refer to as the triumphal entry. But before he, do, he does that, this triumphal entry is going to be the fulfillment of prophecy. So he says to his disciples, listen, go across to that village over there. And this is it, Luke chapter 19. I don't know if we have the text. Luke chapter 19, verses 30 and 31. This is how to unbonsai your life. He says, uh, go into the village opposite you. Where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Here it is. We're going to learn how to unbonsai our lives. First thing he says is loose it. Come on, somebody. And number two, he says, bring it here. And number three, he says, and if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to them, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord has need of it. Some of us are going to get out of this bonsai life we've been living. Because today is the day, is the day that you're going to be loose. Loose, first of all, in your thinking. He said, loose it. That means, Lord, I'm stuck. It begins with the admission that I am stuck. I'm stuck in this tiny pot. And yes, I'm living. And yes, people come every now and then, and they spray me. And every now and then, somebody might buy this bonsai. But listen. There's more to me than this little pot. So I, 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 loose me. I got to get unstuck. Ah, there's something I want to say, but we'll be here forever. But notice what he says. He says, bring it to me. Surrender it to God. Give it to him. The people who pruned you, manipulated you, abused, who sabotaged, people were manipulated, y'all seen that TikTok? Some people just sabotaged, scandalized, y'all know what I'm talking about. People were manipulated, listen to me. We stay there. And if we stay in that place, if we stay in that place, ah, if we stay in that place, we stay stuck. Bible historians talk about Terah, who was Abram's father. Terah had three sons. One of his sons' name was uh, Haran. And when Haran died, Terah took his family and started to head toward Canaan. As he's going toward Canaan, he stops in a town called Haran. And the scripture says he stayed there until he died. 
I don't know why Terah stayed in Haran other than some commentators suggest that there may have been a trigger that reminded him of the loss of his son. There are some triggers and experiences that will keep you stuck. But notice what happens in Genesis chapter 12. God shows up to his son Abram and says, Abram, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave your family, leave everything that's comfortable and familiar, and I want you to go to a place I will show you. Didn't tell him where. But when Abraham gets to Canaan, that's where he settles. There are some Bible commentators who suggest that Abram was simply completing what his father, Terah, left undone. What if the promise of covenant should have gone to Terah and not Abram, but because Abram couldn't deal with his loss, because Terah couldn't deal with his loss, he stopped short of Canaan. I don't think it's a coincidence that when God speaks to Abram, he tells him to go to Canaan, the same place his father was going, but didn't get to. And that's why I hear at Converge, we say, if you can complete your grief, you can continue your growth. I'll say that again. If you can complete your grief. When I say grief, I'll be talking about fully mourning everything you lost. Sometimes it is a person, sometimes it's a loved one, but sometimes you have to fully mourn the dream. The things that didn't happen. That you wish had happened. So he says, first of all, loose it. Number two, he says, bring it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. You've been carrying this thing too long. You've been carrying it too long. Give it to me. I'm talking about how, to, how not to be a bond driver. And then number three, he says, here's why you got to give it to me. Here's why you got to get loose from that thing. I have need of you. I have need of you. I need you to get off the bench. I need you in the game. And whatever they did to you, as painful as it was, take a cue from me. The people I healed betrayed me. The people I helped beat me, cussed me, spat on me, and I still died for them. If you have ever been hurt, take a cue from Jesus who suffered everything imaginable and still died for the people who hurt him. And the Lord said, what happened to you was painful. What they did was wrong. But now I have need of you and you, I can't, we got to get out of this pot, y'all. Because the Lord has need of you. This is often attributed to Nelson Mandela. Some people said he read it in his inaugural speech, but it's actually written by Marianne Williamson in her book, Return to Love, that was published in 1992. You've seen it quoted in movies. And Marianne Will Williamson simply writes, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant? 
Who am I to be gorgeous? Who am I to be talented? Who am I to be fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Here it is. Your playing small does not serve the world. Sitting on the bench, wallowing in your pain does not serve the world, and it doesn't serve God. And notice what she says next. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we, here it is, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. When you let your light shine, when you live your best life, when you unbonsai your life, you are actually giving everybody who sees you permission to unbonsai their life as well. She says, as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence also liberates others. So if you've been sitting on the bench, listen to me. The pain and the hurt is real. I'm not trying to dismiss it. I'm not trying to minimize it. But today is the day that God wants you to break free from the unseen hand and the unseen forces that have manipulated you and made a bonsai of you. So that now all that's left is a miniature replica of something so much greater that God intended. The good news is, the good news is, God can redeem, God can restore, God can make all things new. So Father, would you do that this morning? in the lives of your people. For that one who has been sitting on the bench and God, would you loose, would you get us unstuck? God, would you help us as we bring our hurt and our pain to you because you are the healer. You bind the brokenhearted. And Lord, I pray that we would do it not because Pastor Ray needs it, not because Pastor Wendy needs us, but because the Lord has need of us. Help us, Lord, to heal in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let me say this, finally. When you walk through those doors, you didn't know this, but three things, three things will happen while you're here. And that's our prayer. Number one, if you came through those doors hurting, number two, we pray that you'll heal. But when you heal and as you heal, here it is, we pray that you will begin to help. Did y'all hear that? God takes the hurt. He heals so that we can help others as we walk through our pain. Stand with me as we're dismissed. A couple of things I'll remind you of. Uh, Friday and Saturday, like I said, it said Friday and Saturday are Christmas work days. If you love to decorate, listen, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, Friday evening, 6 to 8, and then Sunday morning, I mean Saturday morning, 8 to 10, 10 to 12. Uh, it should be in the email. 
and uh, we also have the um, uh, we also have the QR code. Uh, and then make sure you drop off uh, your warm winter clothing and all that fun stuff. Okay. Uh, before we're dismissed, where's Coquetso? Coquetso's going to dismiss us. But before we do that, while we're standing, Coquetso, why don't you come? Uh, today is a very, 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 very special day for us. Uh, well, because tomorrow is our very own Pastor Wendy's birthday. And uh, yes, sir. So we love you, baby. We honor you. We thank God for you. And uh, the media team has a little something special that they want to show us right now. A little surprise for the birthday girl. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you. Happy birthday. Go ahead. I came to challenge you in thinking about what will my life say? When people talk about you, what are they saying? And I'm not talking about that social media, you know, when people talk about you, mm -mm. we're on the positive side. When people mention your name, 
Are you leaving a trail behind you that shows of God's goodness, that shows of your grace? Or is it like a storm just leaving destruction? If it is a trail of destruction, guess what? You are still here among the living. You have an opportunity to get right, get it right, and we didn't come to judge you. But I want you to think about what will my life say? Amen. 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 Are we blessed by the word today? Yeah. Don't be a bonsai. Don't be a bonsai. All right. Um, there will be an opportunity to take pictures with Pastor Wendy outside. So after the service, please join them and uh, yeah, celebrate her, honor her, and love on her. We love you, Converge. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up, uh, may the Lord make his grace to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance towards you and always, now and forever, may the Lord give you his peace that passes all understanding. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's message was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some materials to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you would like more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at echurchwearconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. You can also give by texting 77977 and send Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.